0: Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Please open your Bibles to uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and we'll begin reading there in just a moment. Um, I am a very private person about many things uh, that's just me but um, I want to share a story with you this morning um, about a year ago as some of you will remember I was in the hospital with a kidney infection and while I was there the uh, my heart went into afib caused by the kidney infection I I don't know uh, the doctor thought that was a possibility, but it happened. Uh, so, uh, kidney infection taken care of, AFib not taken care of, it. and so I've been dealing with that for a year. Now, I'm, I'm asymptomatic, I think that's the right term, the doctors who are here will have to correct me, but I, I have no pain, no shortness of breath, no fainting, uh, I exercise four days a week and have never been winded, have never, I mean, other than what I should have been winded by exercising, but never, uh, any issues at all. Uh, the only reason I would even know something was going on is that occasionally I would feel kind of like a flutter, but I certainly didn't think that was unusual. But it is, but I've been under the doctor's care for this last year. And so I had a checkup on Monday, a follow up. And uh, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. He said, well, then we need to talk. Now, when your doctor says, well, we need to talk, that is never a good thing. So he said, we, we have to do something. Uh, you're still an AFib. And he said, the danger is if we don't do something about it, you uh, can develop blood clots. And the blood clots can cause strokes and things that we don't want to happen. So we scheduled that for uh, Friday, this two days ago. Uh, so on Friday, I showed up at the uh, appointed time, and they got me all ready. They did an EKG. Last thing they do, make sure you're still an AFib. I was still an AFib. So I'm in my room, and Sharon's with me. My doctor's there, and he's talking about what, what we're going to do. They've got me all prepped up, ready to go, IV, and all the all that fun stuff that you have to do. And uh, so he's about. He said, "All right, in just a minute, we're going to leave, and we're going to go down the hall." And he's still talking, looking at the monitor over my head, and Sharon's looking at the monitor. I can't see it. And then the doctor stops talking, and he has quite a quite a surprised look on his face. And he turns to my wife and he says, "Did you see that?" And she said, yes, I did. And then he looks at me and smiles and he says, your heart just flipped back into rhythm. And he said, we are uh, we are going to cancel our cardio version today and uh, you can go home and, uh, and have a good meal and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And then he said, as he looked at me, he said, I have never seen that happen before. And I was quite astonished. Everybody was astonished. And so here I am today. Um, he warned me. And I've got to check up again tomorrow. So he said, this can go back and forth. So we're not out of the woods yet. But what I know was that God was there. And that for Friday... God had ordained that I would not have a cardioversion on Friday, and i 'm very grateful for what for what he did well i I just thought the glory of God, the majesty of God um, that you ought to know about that, and I always am torn about sharing things like that because i 've got some good and godly friends who have gone through things and they didn 't get healed, and they died, and they went through terrible things and why would I? Why would I not go through terrible things? I I I don't uh, I don't understand. Good friend Gary DeSalvo at Temple Bible Church is battling cancer and it's really tough right now for him. Uh, I don't understand all that, but I do know for certain that God is on his throne and I trust him completely and love him and adore him. OK, let's get back to what we're here for next Sunday. I'm going to start a new series entitled what in the world is happening here now the here is not intended to be here in the room what in the world is happening in the world what in the world is happening here now that's what the series will deal with today is a standalone message the witness of stewardship um, the witness that we give in stewardship the witness that we give of our love for god And the witness that we give about how serious we are about our Christian walk. Maybe you've heard the story of the, of the awful shipwreck in the South Pacific. Two men survived it and by finding themselves on the beach of a, of an isolated island and one of the men was extremely fretful and scared and worried and the other was not at all he was very relaxed and so the man who was scared said to his beach mate how how in the world can you be so calm and the man replied well you see I'm a multi-millionaire and the other man said well your millions are not going to help you here and the other man replied well see you don't understand I am a multi-millionaire I'm a baptist And I tithe to my church. My pastor will find me. (laughs) That might be true. Today, the witness of stewardship, we're going to read two passages of scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8 on stewardship. Then 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 20. Praise to God for his blessing. Stand with me, please. It'll be on the screen. You can use your own Bibles or with two passages today. You may want to look up one and use the screen for the other. But here we go. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning with verse 10. The people had been bringing their gifts for the temple, the building of the temple. And here's what David said to God. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have only, we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight. We were all, we were all our ancestors as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given you willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down prostrating themselves before The Lord and the King. You may be seated. Now, I want us to get our arms around four things this morning in regard to the witness uh, of stewardship. And I hope we'll understand that stewardship is a witness. Our giving that enables us to do what God has called on us to do as a congregation is a witness to our entire community. And literally to the ends of the earth. The first thing I want us to get our arms around is this. I have a ministry regret. It is personal again. I would not change much about my life if I were given the opportunity to go back and change some things. I certainly would not change anything That would alter my upbringing or alter my meeting Sharon and marrying her or alter our having two kids and seven grandkids. And I would not alter anything that would prevent me from coming here and being your pastor for the last 30 years. However, if I were starting over again. With this regret, I would change things. I would preach and teach more on stewardship and giving to the Lord. Preaching the whole counsel of Scripture. I would preach and teach more about stewardship because the Bible has more to say about stewardship and money than it says about heaven or hell. Now, some of you may be thinking, wow, Pastor, I'm glad you're closer to the end than the beginning. (laughs) You're a remarkable church. But we are not as strong as we should be in stewardship, and you know it. When last year we were trying to celebrate getting over 50% of our people to give something to the church during the year, That is not something we should be having to celebrate or strive for. That should be an automatic way beyond 50%. I'm called to lead. I want you to imagine a coach who can't get 50% of his team to show up for practice or a game. That would be sad. And yet in stewardship, that's where we are. And I would contend that it is a spiritual issue and will be solved only in our hearts. The challenges before us are great. And we've never tried to hide that fact. With our budget, with all that we do in missions, and with all that's going on right now, we have not backtracked one iota in missions. Everything that we were doing, we're still doing and even more and you 've seen that in the planting of a new church this year, renewal church in North Belton that took we, get, we gave a substantial number of people and a substantial amount of money for for renewal and we did so with joy and This week I got to sit in on the update with the association and the BGCT and renewal is doing wonderfully well we are so thankful for what god is doing in addition to that we now have faithful god faithful future and the move to the hilltop as well as everything else that we do as a church family so i want to thank you for your faithful generosity but i also want you to know that in my remaining time i pledge to seek god's guidance and to lead you better in the area of stewardship and giving Now, the second thing that I want you to get your arms around is this. First Baptist Belton, what we do with our money. Now, that could take two hours of discussion, so I'll just summarize it this way. Everything that we do, we hold up and measure against our mission statement, which is knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Now, we've not said that together in a while, so I'm going to prep you one more time. Knowing Jesus intimately serving Jesus passionately sharing Jesus globally so now you say it with me knowing Jesus intimately serving Jesus passionately sharing Jesus globally everything we do is measured against that our budget is put together once a year the finance committee is charged with that responsibility they receive input from committees and from staff Then they put together the budget, carry it to the elders, the elders approve it or alter it if they so choose, and then the budget is carried to the church and the church approves the budget. And that's how we operate from year to year. There's a lot in the budget. It is a multi-page multi document, as you are aware. The largest part of that or the largest segment of that is personnel, that is our staff, and No church makes any apology for that because churches are service organizations, and all service organizations have much staff because we don't manufacture widgets. We don't manufacture products. We try to reach people. We try to reach souls. So we have the greatest part of our budget is personnel. And I would like to say, because I've got this open door to say it, is I have never been prouder or happier with the staff that you have called the first Baptist Belton than I am right now. I am so pleased and it is sheer joy to serve with, with folks like Gary and all the other members uh, of our staff and, and these young guys, um, Gary Craig and I as the, um, you know, we're up there a little bit as we serve with these Young men and women, we are just utterly amazed at their giftedness and their absolute love for Jesus. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but a whole bunch of them can sure preach. And I'm really, really thankful for, for that. And I see Craig back there. A man I love serving with Craig. We were friends before we were colleagues, and uh, we've maintained that friendship. Uh, and, and I love Craig, and it is just a joy to serve with this staff. So, church, you've done well. You ought to be really proud of these men and women that you have called to serve in this place. The budget covers facilities, 100,000-plus square feet uh, that have to be cleaned and set up and managed, And uh, we're so grateful that we're here today and the air is working and we've got a, a semi soft seat to sit in. I've never nobody ever says a pew is really soft, but it'll be different in the new place. Just wait and see much more comfortable chairs. All kinds of ministries and missions are covered in the budget because you give the lights are on. The kids and the children went to camp this summer. VBS was the greatest we've ever had. Missions around the world and missions and ministries going on right here in Belton and Bell County. And I remember asking a few years ago in a sermon, if First Baptist Church Belton were to disappear today, we all are gone. The church disappears. Would the community notice? And the answer to that is yes, they certainly would they would notice immediately the ministries that would no longer occur, the mission work that would no longer occur. They would miss your presence and your witness in this community. And some of the challenges that we have are there's so many things going on. How do we inform and inspire you to know everything that's going on as part of your church I'm not sure we can do that 100% because I work here every day, and I don't even know everything that goes on, but I don't have to. I don't have to. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day in, in conversation with Eddie. I, I bet a lot of you don't even know this. In, um, in the school year, Eddie leads volunteers who go to three campuses in Belton Independent School District, And in the afternoon after dismissal, they have Bible clubs, three of our BISD schools. Um, Some of you probably didn't think that could be done anymore. Yes, it can. All we had to do was ask and say it's voluntary. And the school district said, absolutely. We're very thankful for that. And there were some boys and girls that came to faith in Christ this year as a result of those Bible clubs, I don't know if there, how many of you knew that. That's just one example of all the things that are going on in our community through the church. Well, let, let me move on. I want to look at the text as we draw this together because there are some principles of stewardship in this text. If you're looking at the Second Corinthians passage, you'll immediately notice that Paul uses the word "remember." When when Paul uses the word remember, he is saying this is important. This is important. So as he talks about stewardship, he's saying remember this. This is important. He says we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Let that move around a little bit in your heart and in your mind giving is a heart issue giving is a heart issue paul tells us i read the story the other day about a lady who uh, in the middle of the sermon uh, in the audience fainted an elderly lady fainted and she hit her head on the pew as she went down and there was a emt in the in the congregation he immediately called 911 and so in no time the ambulances were here And they were putting her on the stretcher, getting ready to take her out. And she she regained consciousness. And she saw her daughter and signaled for her daughter to come close. And her daughter put her ear right up against her mother's mouth. And everybody's looking and people are crying. They're thinking, oh, bless her heart, these will be her final words to her daughter. She whispered into her daughter's ear, my offering envelope is in my purse. (laughs) Now, I want to tell you. That sweet lady made a spiritual decision a long time ago about what she was going to do in stewardship. And I will tell you this. I've been in the ministry over 40 years. There have been at least 10 or 12 times in those 40 years that I've been in hospital rooms visiting generally elderly men or women. And they have said to me, the women have said to me, pastor, my purse is right there. Would you get it and take my offering back to the church? Or men would say it 's in my wallet or it 's over there on the table. Would you get that and, and take that to the church now that 's astonishing that somebody in the hospital who obviously is there because they 're sick would be thinking about stewardship, and yet that indicates what is in their heart because stewardship's a heart issue. Giving is to be joyful, Paul says. You know, I've said many times when you put your check in the offering plate or you give online or however you choose to give, nobody can tell whether you're giving joyfully or grudgingly. The banker doesn't know. The church staff doesn't know. Your friend sitting next to you doesn't know. But you know. And God knows. So are we giving joyfully or grudgingly? And Paul says we should expect a blessing. Now. That can come in many shapes, forms, or fashion. I have no idea what it'll be for you or for me, but he says you can expect a blessing. I've had, I have never had anybody ever, ever, ever come to me and say, pastor, you, you talked to us about giving. So I've started giving and and as a result of, of my giving, uh, I'm, I'm now, I'm now in debt and the bank's gonna, the bank's gonna repo my house. Nobody's ever said that. Because I don't believe it's ever happened. We can expect a blessing from God. Now, as we take into consideration what Paul said and, and, the, and the first Chronicles passage, we need to remember this. Everything is God's. Did you catch what David said in his prayer? Verse 11, verse 14, and verse 16. He repeated himself three times in the prayer. God Everything is yours, and everything that the people have given belongs to you. We are giving what you have given to us. So when I say my car, my house, my money, my family, we understand what that means, but we also should understand it really is all his, all of it. And we are therefore stewards we take care of what He has given to us. I'm a manager. I'm a steward of what God has entrusted to me. And, and, and the past, both passages say God blesses the faithful steward. Now how He does that is God's choice. Doesn't always mean that God's going to make you rich or prosper you because you are faithful. That's the health and wealth gospel that is not biblical. He may choose to bless you. I do believe he'll meet your needs. But he will bless you and you will know it. And as we get our arms around these passages, we need to remember that the tithe is the place to begin now. Now. I refer you back to Malachi, and I know some say, well, the tithe is the law. The tithe predated the law. Before there ever was a law, there was the tithe in the book of Genesis. So the tithe predates the law. In Malachi 3, you remember that the uh, the prophet said, bring the whole, the God said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll not be room enough to store it. Now, historically, the church has been the storehouse. The church is the storehouse. 10% off the top goes to the church. And I always refer to this. Jews had to tithe under the law. Yes, they did. Why would I? As one saved by grace, do less than a Jew had to do under the law. So unashamedly and with great joy, I give the tithe and beyond to the work of the Lord through the church. Now, I want to say this to you this morning, hope that I'm not totally violating Scripture. If your situation absolutely, in your estimation, makes it impossible for you to tithe right now, you are in such a dire strait that you can't do that, then let me suggest that you begin where you can with the intention of moving on up as soon as you can. Now, two weeks ago, when I was encouraging you to start praying, if you hadn't been praying, I said, let, begin with five minutes. I mean, there's nobody in this room who believes that five minutes is sufficient and and an ending place that's just a beginning place and less than the tithe is a beginning place it's not an ending place so start where you can at three percent four percent start where you can with the intention that as God blesses you're going to move up until you get where God wants you to be I remember and. Ad that was on television uh, a few years ago, it was from the ad council, back about 2011, 2012. It was, here was the title of the, of the ad, Don't Almost Give. One ad showed a man with crutches struggling to go up a flight of stairs. The narrator says, this man almost learned to walk at a rehab center that almost got built by people who almost gave money. After a pause, the narrator continues, almost gave. How good is almost giving? About as good as almost walking. Thinking, yeah. Another ad showed a homeless man curled up in a ball atop a pile of rags. He's covered with a ratty bed sheet. The narrator begins, this is Jack Thomas. Today, someone almost brought Jack something to eat. Someone almost brought him to a shelter. Someone almost gave him a warm blanket. Then after a pause, the narrator drives the point home. And Jack Thomas, well, he almost made it through the night. Almost giving. That's not God's desire for us. His desire is that we give. Grace giving is beyond the tithe. The New Testament is filled with conversation about grace giving. And, and so my practice, my testimony I give over and above the tithe to the church budget and then exercise grace giving above that to future faithful God, faithful future, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, Mary Hill Davis, our special offering, other missions and ministries, including things outside the church that are wonderful ministries that we choose to give to. And the best giving requires a plan. You're not going to be a faithful giver if you are haphazard and just say, when I think of it, I'll do something. It won't work. I've never met anybody for whom that really worked. Oh, guess what? I thought about giving to the church, but I almost did, but I didn't. The best giving requires a plan. First Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says on the first day of the week. In other words, it's a habit. It's a practice, and it's thought through. Bring what the Lord has laid upon your heart. Someone has said uh, about our, our income, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Giving money does not substitute for giving yourself. Um, it was... The missionary martyr Jim Elliott, who said, a man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Biblical giving is an act of faith driven by love and commitment. Now, if you don't remember anything else I say today, I hope you'll remember this. Biblical giving is an act of love, an act of faith driven by love and commitment. How else can we give and why else would we give? Amy Carmichael said, One can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. And I believe that to be true. Now, I'm almost done. Here's my last thing. What should I do now? Well, for some of you, you're a faithful giver you seek god's will you pray god lays on your heart what you should do you're doing it you you, it's a habitual practice it's a commitment it's an act of worship So i would say to you don't alter anything that you are doing don't alter a thing just keep listening to god but for those for whom that description doesn't fit For those who don't give or haphazardly give or give without a plan or give less than you should, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, I want to do this your way. I want to do this the right way. I want to be a blessing. It's yours. It's all yours. So I want to be a good steward. What do you want me to do with what you've entrusted to me? If you'll do that, and you really know Jesus, then that means the Holy Spirit's in your heart. And I believe with all my heart that when you pray that prayer, you'll get an answer. The Holy Spirit will tell you what you should do. And I want to tell you this, as we think about the fact that in our church, 50% don't give anything, that will not be the answer he gives you. That will not be the answer he gives you. The answer he gives you will be be a faithful steward. And here's how you can be a faithful steward. May God bless us as we practice biblical stewardship. Bow your heads, please. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation as Brother Gary leads us. And today has been a stewardship directed to Christians. To be faithful stewards, but in this room, there are one, two, three, four, or more who do not know Jesus. And the great need of your heart and life today is not stewardship. The great need of your heart and life today is that you know Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. So as we stand, I ask you to leave your seat wherever you are, come to the front, place your hand in mine, and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff. We'll be here to pray with you that on this Sunday morning you can come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. To believers in this room, in regard to stewardship, what is it God wants you to do? Pray, listen to the Spirit, and you will know. Father, speak to the hearts of believers that we will know and then that we will be obedient in regard to stewardship. But, Father, right now, draw that one irresistibly to yourself that he or she might come to know Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. Come as we stand and sing. Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message.